Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 49 of the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I am Cullen McVader and joined with me as always. Joined with me, is that the correct? I don't know I'm joined, I'm joined yeah. at the hip, I'm connected. Yes, exactly. I am my, your my... cinema, your cinema <laughs> conjoined twin. <laughs> yes, Clark Coffee. Hey, hey, um, hey. Somehow we are, we are a thousand miles apart, but still conjoined so <laughs> via the magic of cinema yes yes exactly and specifically the magic of edward d wood jr oh uh, yes yeah, we're doing uh one of my favorites uh today ed wood tim burton um 1994 amazing um, or is it 93 no, 94 93 released 94. yeah released yes. in 94 in september uh to be mm-hmm. september 23rd to be exact was it's uh it was a New York release, Film yeah. Festival release, and then it was released nationwide September 30th. So I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. I, I'm not trying to be uh, USA-centric. I That's just the data that I have before me. I don't know if it was released in Canada at the same time or not. I think most of our releases are, are lined up. Are pretty up well tied, yeah. 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 So um, I, as always, I, I'm, super, I, I'm super curious as to... Well, I have some hunches, but I'm curious as to why, as such a youngin you would be interested in a film that uh, came out kind of before your time, but you said it's one of your favorites. And mm-hmm. so let's like, let's jump into that. Our like personal experiences with the film. We'll start off with there. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about why you picked the film and, and what's going on with you in this, in this flick. Um, yeah, I don't, I think it's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, to put it frankly, it's a very charming film. It's like, it's yeah. like a, it's a, it's almost like a comfort food in a film Yeah, format. it is. It's um, super charming. It's like really funny. Um, it's really stylized. It's well done. All the performances are great. Um, the music's fantastic. Um, it's just one of those movies that like you kind of can put on and you're just pretty much smiling the entire <laughs> way through. I mean, um, especially if you, if you love cinema and especially yes, if yes. you're a filmmaker, right? Cause I think it, it kind of helps you feel a little bit better about be- being a freak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I, I've got a note uh, about like imposter syndrome and that kind of thing about okay. like, how do you know, you know, if you're any good? And like, um, yeah. both of us just worked on features separately. And, and, you know, I think that's definitely a question I'm asking myself constantly is like, Ain't is that this the thing truth? just a huge piece of crap? And I just think it's good <laughs> because I made it. Um, so yeah, I think that that's to me, you know, there's this, there's this super empathetic, relatable side of this movie. Um, but it's done so, you know, it's referred to a lot as like a biopic, but I don't think that it's, you know, I think that we kind of agree that it's not really like, that's not the classification I'd put it under. Yeah. Um, it's, it's much more of a, in the spirit of Ed Wood, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's it's something that's kind of trying to like capture the the essence of his filmmaking and stuff like that, much more than the essence of his life, because his life in reality was was much more depressing and sadly, um, yeah, and sad, and and not that this movie necessarily shies away from, you know, the fact that he was, you know, to put it simply, a, a kind of like a failure in that in that regard and that he didn't really succeed in his dreams of becoming like a really successful Orson Welles type of, of, of filmmaker. Um, but at the same time it, it plays all of that with kind of like a a really, you know, a lot of heart. Yeah. Um, A lot of love, a lot of love. Exactly. Yeah. And and so it's not, and it's never, you know, it's, it's, it's never making like a mockery of him. Mm -mm. Um, it's in fact, it's very, very empathetic to all of these. Like you kind of said that it's, it's almost like a little bit of like a kind of like a freak show um yeah. in a way and in it but every single one of them is treated with with um you know a lot of passion with and empathy care. yeah and empathy exactly and so it um i don't know there's something about that a of course it's relatable because i you know i make movies and it's about making movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that but b on i think you know any artist who like film or not um would be able to easily relate to it and even a, on you know a third kind of tier of that um people who aren't artists at all and have no real personal connection to anything that goes on in this movie i think can still genuinely get a lot out of it i mean it's 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 a funny movie it's it's got great performances bill murray um is also someone who's fantastic in it and he um (laughs) yeah like all around all across the board it's 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 a good movie Um, and it's a it's a good example of uh of johnny depp and his performance uh yes uh, performances um you know, before he, this is almost a decade before he did his first uh, Pirates of the Caribbean film and turned into, you know, mega international, worldwide, huge film star. And 
you know, he'd only done, I think, four, five, like, what, five films or so, something like that, five, six yeah, films and before this. Yeah, and a lot this. of them with, with um, or at least Edward Scissorhands. He with, had done, uh, yep, he had done Edward Scissorhands with Burton before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's a good example, I think, of, of early depth work, which is really worth watching. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I share so many of the same thoughts that you just expressed. I, I saw the film when it was released. You know, Tim Burton was at the, like, top of his game, and, you know, height of his powers, at least, you know, and maybe he's had a couple of those kind of, uh, you know, career points. Um, mm-hmm. cause he, he's mm-hmm. made a lot of movies that have made a lot of money. But this is, you know, he had done the Batman films and uh, he had made a heck of a lot of dough, which is what I'm, I'm going to guess allowed him to make a black and white film uh, here in Ed Wood, which I think is a brilliant choice. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But uh, but yeah, so I th- I saw it at the theater. Tim Burton was huge. Johnny Depp. I was a fan already. I was a big fan of Johnny Depp. Um, I had seen Edward Scissorhands, um, and I just uh, was excited to go see Depp's performance. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably what drew me more than anything. Maybe I don't know if I was like consciously a Tim Burton fan or anything at this point in time. You know? Yeah, I mean. I, I, I mean, me too. I like, I still, I would say that I, I like a lot of Tim Burton's movies. I really like the Batman movies. Yeah. Um, I love, I mean, I love this one, yeah. um, but I wouldn't, I, I don't think I'd consider myself like a, a fan of Tim Burton's. I don't really know. Yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. not even now, you know, I'm yeah. not even like really a fan now. I, I don't mm-hmm. dislike him at all. And I'm really mm-hmm. happy mm-hmm. that he exists because I think he's a very unique voice. Um, and, and, and I abs- I always love that, you know, when somebody has a very specific point of view and a, and a unique, authentic voice, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, an absolute joy, even if yeah. it's not necessarily something that, that really pulls me in really close. But yeah, I mean, just to go back. So I think, you know, I, I, as a fan of Depp's, you know, What's Eating Gilbert Grape had come out the year before, uh, Benny and June, uh, before that, uh, he had done, like you said, Edward Scissorhands. Um, and I might have, might have even seen Crybaby uh, before this, with, which, of course, is a John Waters film from, mm-hmm. I think, 1990, I think-ish. Um, so I was a real big fan of Depp's, and it was still kind of felt like he was like this thing to discover still, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, so I was big into that, and I, you know, was kind of... Uh, grow, my dreams were kind of blossoming about wanting to be an actor and... Uh, and so I went for that, but yeah, I mean, just as somebody who was interested in becoming a filmmaker or working in that industry, uh, the film was fascinating to me at that point. And I had grown up now, not on Ed Wood's films, the real Ed Wood. I hadn't Mm -hmm. grown up on his films at all, but I definitely grew up on, uh, genre pictures, exploitation pictures, B flicks, because again, like I told the story before, but, you know, my, my parents would were into those films and would invite friends over and maybe like once every couple of weeks or a month or whatever it was, they would screen, uh, you know, some one of these cheesy genre movies. And that's how I fell in love with Mad Max, for example, which is hard to remember now. But in the way back when, the first Mad Max film was a total exploitation B-flick, you know. Um, so so I was kind of very familiar with this genre and I enjoyed I enjoy these kind of goofy films, you know, and uh, and so so I kind of had fun with that when I watched the picture. So mm-hmm. I definitely well, remember I think it that from that back what's, then. What's, what I also really love about this movie is that they kind of like Tim Burton, especially uses this as sort of a vehicle to air all of the gripes with like the independent filmmaking process. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're filming outside on the street, and then the police car rolls around the corner, and then Edward looks at all his crew and goes, <laughs> "We don't know, burn it, run!" And then they all they all like pick up the camera and, and run away, or you know the everlasting quest for money and he's everybody yeah. talks to has, has zero interest in the one lady who says that she's got you know what a hundred grand or something for him and then is like i gave you all i had when i gave you that 300 <laughs> and then you know it's just this this great thing that i think anybody who has done independent film oh yeah well there's that totally element too. To that that you just get these you know some people are just sure. completely unreliable and then and there's all, all these funny but then there's always also this this kind of core group of people that most people end up working with and becoming really great friends with yeah um who are all very passionate and stuff like that and so I can definitely relate to to that aspect now, of it. And, yeah, yeah. Now, and like, I, now I when I watched that, it again, yeah, yeah I definitely yeah. had that, yeah. 
and I think that, uh, you know, I, I, in terms of my first time, I honestly don't really remember what the first time that I saw it was or what my initial reaction was. I think I was like sick at home from school one mm. day when I was in, and this is back when Blockbuster was still around. Yeah. And I think my mom probably just like went and rented a few movies for me from Blockbuster to watch while she was just to work. randomly picked this. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was like ah! this. I, I actually specifically think I remember which movie she got. I think it was like this, Gandhi, and there's something about Mary. I'll Very be strange slew of movies. What um, a selection. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, the, I, so I don't really remember my initial reaction. Of course, I've like always been interested in making movies, but I think, yeah. you know, to me, it was just kind of like a funny movie with, with Johnny Depp and, and Dracula. Um, and, yeah. and then I rewatched it, um, probably, you know, if, maybe around the time I graduated high school okay. and I think I connected to it a lot more emotionally. Um, you know, I think I just like really, really understood a lot of, of, of like the struggles of Ed Wood, even though, you know, we, I don't know a lot about Ed Wood and, and, um, so I'm not sure exactly what he was or like in real life, but the, that, the that, struggles that, of somebody in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And definitely like the struggles you, of I mean, the Ed Wood that is presented in this film. And, and I think that's like one of the real joys and that's certainly what, you know, I, I, this wasn't as much a part of my experience when I saw it the first time around, but, but seen, and I haven't seen it in a very long time. But mm -hmm. watching it now in preparation for this podcast after you'd recommended it, I, you know, that is the number one thing that stands out to me by far is my connection to this film as somebody who um, I, I can so greatly empathize with a character who and with this, I think we all uh, or most of us have this part of us somewhere. It's larger in others, maybe smaller in others, but this part mm -hmm. of us where we want something in life. We have a dream. Yeah. And, and, you know, at some point, hopefully you're pursuing that dream and inevitably along the way, you're questioning, am I deluded? Do I have any talent in this? Is this mm -hmm. something I should even be pursuing? Um, or am I just crazy? Am I, have I tricked myself into thinking that this is my calling? Am I, cause you look at the world around you and we see examples of delusion all day long especially yes, in yes. art and especially oh, in absolutely. filmmaking. And I've been involved with a lot of projects with a lot of really deluded poop people. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's, and it's actually, it's kind of, and I've been it's, deluded it's, myself, you it's know, somewhat, I can admit it's it. somewhat depressing too, sometimes to, to meet people who like, especially I find this is very common, um, with, with actors because, uh -huh. because it doesn't really, you know, it, it, it can cost a lot of money to try and be an actor, but yes, it can for, for a matter, for the matter of like, you don't need equipment and stuff like that. So a lot of people kind of try and, and, and get into that type of thing, but there's a lot of people that you'll meet that just don't, you know, and I think this is what this movie really touches on. That's really well, well, is that, that they, you, you meet these people who are so, so passionate. Like they've yes. got all the so much and all passion. the drive to yeah. do some, yeah. but they're just like, you just kind of want to tell them, oh. like, sit them down and say like, I, you just don't got it. Like, you need to go like, back it, to school. Yeah. yeah. Go, at least train some more. Uh, well, look, yeah. and, and that's what I mean. And so that, so for me, that was my connection to it here. There's mm -hmm. also, there are other, that's a, that's a huge part of it. The other aspect of it is, you know, that you've got this Scooby gang of outsiders Mm -hmm, uh, with mm -hmm. Ed Wood at the helm. And like you said, this film is extremely empathetic to these characters. And all of these characters have, are, are kind of, whether it's, you know, wanting to, like being um, obsessed with Agora sweaters or, um, or like saying, you know, or being like allergic to liquid. I mean, mm -hmm. and everything in between these characters, they, they, some of them look weird. They act weird. They have, you know, all of these kind of, they're, they're very eccentric people, but they mm -hmm. come together and they form this family. And yeah, that's never mean spirited. It's yeah. And that's what the filmmaking experience really feels yeah. like. Yeah. Like that is what it feels like. And, and I don't care what film you ever working on. That's how it feels. You come together and you become a family and mm -hmm. you're you're working with people under stressful situations and very long days often on locations everybody's away from home and so you really get to know people well and mm -hmm. so you really people's like eccentricities are on display quite prominently in some instances mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 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 so that's very charming i mean this film does a great job of of kind of handling that aspect of this of this industry and this art uh, in a really lovingly way and in an endearing way. And that mm. really jumps out to me when I saw it this latest time. Yeah. And I want to make a quick side note too, that it's, yeah. it's funny to me that um, 
not that this film is in any way similar stylistically to like a Herzog film, mm -hmm. but the conversation we're having around this film sort of reminds me a lot of like the earlier episodes of the podcast, which is yeah. a lot about, you know, perhaps it is because the movie is about making movies. Mm. Um, but you know, it's kind of, it's bringing me back a little bit to, yeah. to those, those early episodes. Like, what are you thinking of? Yeah. What is it bringing you back to? Just, just about the, the like the drive and the need for urgency. And it's like that, that this, this, you know, it kind of, I see, weirdly enough, similarities, not in the quality of their work, but at least, like, there's... there's uh, I love this. I love this yeah, comparison between Ed Wood and Herzog. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, this is interesting. This is great. So I hadn't thought about this, but we're, like, we're going to take, like, a little side side trip here for just a minute, because mm -hmm. I think this is fun. So, you know, I think, uh, look, on the one hand, now, uh, you have Herzog on the one hand, and... Uh, it's not like every movie he's ever made is is a masterpiece, but he has definitely made masterpieces. Yeah, and I think yeah. anybody who has even a you know cursory kind of you know like uh, like any kind of barely you know peripheral relationship with cinema could like realize that that Herzog is very talented filmmaker. Yes, yeah. in both documentaries and in narrative feature films, and he's proven this over and over and over. And you're right, Herzog talks about this urgency, I mean, where he'll write a script in just a couple days, and he, mm -hmm. you know, um, I mean, he, he's got this drive, um, he doesn't storyboard, he like, I mean, it, there's like this intense level of passion and drive. And then you have Ed Wood, mm -hmm. same thing, yeah. intense passion, intense drive, like, I mean, look, not to get too cheesy, but you could say that Ed Wood was a soldier of cinema. Yeah, they're, right? I mean, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin, and I think that uh, the differentiation is more so the talent. <laughs> but and, but this, now, but this is very interesting, and I, I'm not saying there's any. We're not going to be able to come up with any answers here, but just to kind of like just think about for a second, you know, because talent is a very interesting term, especially yes, in our yes. modern culture. Now, other cultures have different ideas about what talent is, so I'm kind of speaking more from my experience kind of a mm -hmm. western culture in in current modern day i've been around for 45 years so i can't speak to what this might have been like 2000 years ago but now i mean talent has a very it's a very loaded term mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and and every i think people have interesting viewpoints on what talent is is it innate is it the result of a lot of work is it a combination mm -hmm. of these two things is it something that exists inside you? Is it something that you channel from somewhere else? So this is interesting to me because um, mm -hmm. I don't know that it's just so simple as well. Herzog somehow magically is, has is, talent and has yeah. talent, and and Edward doesn't. I, I I think that's that's way too over. That's oversimplistic, mm -hmm. and I think it it short changes what talent might actually be but it's interesting mm -hmm. to think about you know yeah 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 it's definitely it, it's, it's just kind of funny because i didn't i didn't think of that about that really before yeah no this right is, now so, that's so, that uh, there's a lot of um there's a yeah. lot of through lines there and and herzog has you know and look at somebody like kinski who is i mean you know herzog mm -hmm. built a, a team of outsiders of eccentric people and herzog of, is eccentric himself and he's, he's very <laughs> look he's nothing to say the least not, to say the least and, and this so this is beautiful actually i think that this is fun and this actually kind of helps me appreciate this even more i think kind of yeah. thinking about this um and and it makes you wonder i mean you know at the end of the day i think and, and again i will we'll get back on track in a second but you know it also I, I go through life kind of thinking and especially as i get older and older i kind of think um you know, the, the end result doesn't matter that much. When I was really young, I thought that's, that's all that mattered. And so if I were approaching a film project, for example, I would be like, well, you know, nothing matters but, but what you get at the end of it. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that anymore now. I, I actually, I think the end result is kind of important, but by far and away, what's more important is the process of making it, in, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting that I feel like this film actually does a good job of kind of illustrating that in a sense that, it shows how much fun he has in the process of making a film. It shows the camaraderie and the family that's built around these films. Mm -hmm. It brings these people together who might be, quote unquote, too weird to do much else. And, and they've kind of found a home and, yeah. a, and a career and a purpose. And who cares if the film comes out at the end not that great? 
I mean, and this yeah. is a this is a valid question. And we are sitting here talking about Ed Wood. Yeah, we're you know, yeah. So all these like, years, it's like he's, seventy he's years succeeded later. in that. He's a, he's immortal in that sense. Um, but, and so, and I so, think that that's yeah, yeah, it's a great point that that the um, you know, and and you get this feeling too. And again, this is specifically to talk about the movie rather than the real life experience because we don't yeah. necessarily know what it was like on his sets or anything like that. Right. If it was, but but in the film, I think what it presents really well is also this idea that like, even when people are you know, laughing at him or making, not making fun of, but like they disagree with him that there's also this sense of just like, well, okay, we're going to do it. Like, you know, like the DP, <laughs> there's a few moments where the DP, the DP is very clearly yeah. sitting there going like, I don't uh, know what this is, but, yeah. uh, you know, but no, that's, and that's what I mean. Everyone's and like, you get that big rap party at the end, not yeah. at the end, but you know, probably three quarters of the way in the movie. And, um, and they're all like dancing and having fun and everyone's oh, just so excited to be there and be yeah. in his next movie and, and Bela Lugosi's excited to be in his next movie. And it's, it's, yeah, it's And I've experienced that, this. That, uh, I've experienced yeah. this. And it, and yeah. it's very interesting because, you know, cause like there are many facets to all of these kind of things. And I just, mm -hmm. I mean, why not? We're like digressing all over the place. So, Hey, great. Um, but you know, I've experienced this at, you know, I've been on set, I've been on films where, you know, I've seen a lot of things that. Uh, I, I at least I perceive as likely challenges for the film as far as what mm -hmm. the end result is going to be. You know, um, at least from my perspective, I see a script that may not be as strong as it could be. I see challenges with performances. I see, you know, and a lot of these are limitations with budgets, but limitations for a lot of different reasons. And and what I see is that there's just like this energy is is so infectious, and it's kind of I mean. And I think anybody out there who's worked in the industry will, have, will will know what I'm talking about, and you've experienced this. That there's just this like inertia that builds up. There's this like snowball effect, and mm -hmm. people just get so excited with the process of making a film. Um, for those people who are really there because they want to be, that you yeah. just you just like steamroll through all that stuff. I mean, and people ask like, how in the world did this horrible film get made? Well. <laughs> The really cynical answer to that question is that, you know, somebody somewhere wanted to try to make a quick buck. And, and yeah, that, that sometimes does happen. Sure. sure yeah. But but more often than not, the reason that this film got made and it's not very good is because everybody making it was like, who, like, just let's go for it. This process yeah. is so engaging and, and is so consuming that you just move yeah do it anyway and I, I honestly think that it's actually not too difficult to discern between those two things of yeah. like you know which is why I think, edward I think, stands I think, yeah and I, I think that the matter of 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 discerning for me at least is just that you can always feel the soul and the spirit yes of a movie that has even if it's a really bad movie and that's kind of why you get these things like um you know, I know it's kind of talked to death, but like the room yeah. and why that has such a cult following. But then when somebody goes on and makes a film that is sort of intentionally bad, like that's its own genre on its own yep. right now, where, where like a studio is like, okay, we're going to make this intentionally stupid and bad. And those always fall flat because, because they, they're cynical. Exactly. And they're, and they're trying, you know, yep. it's, it, you know, there's a guy, the, the director named Neil Breen, Mm -hmm. He's this big, he's kind of like big online because he, he makes these really, really bad movies, but he's so, he thinks that he's amazing. And that's what I think is, is the differentiation. That's what's endearing. Too. Whereas I, you know, know, I could go watch, like. I could go watch, uh, you know, Star Wars nine, which gave me a headache and gave I me I don't even whiplash. know what that is. What, what, what in the world was that one? I don't even yeah, know. It was, it was, uh, the last one, the last As one, the thankfully. force reawakens or something. Yeah, what the, the but that one is, is so... Like that to me is just Cash soulless. Grab. Like it's it's completely soulless. Nobody. It, it felt like nobody wanted to be there. And I, yeah. you know, that's the difference is that you can yep. feel. And I have direct experience with that. You know, I just I just made the feature and and um the and so, feature. like there's this yes the the only <laughs> one. Um, but there's I was to speak to that kind of like on a personal level. There was I was like there were sleepless nights. Absolutely. There was yeah. moments, you know, especially before a big shoot where it was like, I would just get no sleep the night before because it was just so, it was so stressful. But as soon as I stepped on set, I was not stressed at all. It was just yeah. a great, you know, experience. It was really fun and it was engaging. And it's like, you don't, sometimes you don't really, if you are caring about the quality of the picture to such a degree that everyone is having a really bad time, then your movie is going to suffer in other ways for it. Hmm. Whereas if you just trust your instinct and kind of go into it and go, you know what, I think that the choices that I make are going to be good either way, or at least hope so, 
um, then I think that you're you're going to get something else, which is which is something that again clearly has um, you know passion behind it, and I think that that is really really the more important thing. And I I definitely agree that yeah, it's not the the end product um, to an extent is not the biggest thing in the world as to as to what matters. Of course, you're trying to make the end product yeah. good. I yeah. think most people are, um, but at the same time, like the 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 biggest learning. Uh, as, a, as a director comes from from the process rather than from sitting in a theater and, and you know watching the movie again and again so yeah I yeah think that it's well, a, it's, and, it, and it really encapsulates that kind of that that entire yeah feeling i i agree i think it and, and it, it does a great job of that too without having to be on the nose about it without having mm-hmm, to absolutely. be explicit about it it's it's really just in how they handle the story as a whole. Um, yeah, and, and for and a movie the that is so heightened and, and so stylized, stylized and stuff yeah. like that, it really is subtle in a lot of really meaningful places. I think you're um, right, yeah. The relationship, you know, even just the fact that, you know, Bella Lugosi, who um, was addicted to morphine, um, how the only way that you really get a glimpse of that is just the makeup artist rolls up his sleeve to, to put some makeup on him and there's just like a, a quick look and you you see the, the scarring from the... Um, like the injections and then they just kind of look at each other and then that's it and that's all you mm-hmm. need to know about where this guy's at and it tells you so much about the character it tells you so much about um, Lugosi in real life as well because that that is authentic that that is um, you know a, a, a true part of Lugosi's life yeah um, and so and and that's sort of what I mean and, and another way that it's very similar to Herzog is this this kind of truth versus fact thing that we spoke mm-hmm. about a lot in yeah. the in, during the master class which is just this idea that you know, it's representation versus like representation, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that this movie is 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 representing things that that are based very loosely on true events and truth and true people, um, but it's it's distilling it down to an emotional reaction that an audience will have from watching it that will be more authentic than had they just made an like a, a true to life. Uh, accurate biopic right 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 um whereas something like bohemian rhapsody uh like the queen biopic Ugh, such a horrible years movie ago was was which was awful horrible but that's be- exactly there was no like there was nothing done with that movie it was just a, it was just you might as well have sat down and had read the wikipedia page yeah um, yeah yeah good and i point. think that that's i think that that to me again I, I wouldn't consider i wouldn't really classify this movie as a biopic but it certainly is about someone who existed and in, in, well, and it's about a few people. It's at least yeah. about it. It's a. It's at least about Lagosi as much as it is Ed Wood. And, totally. and honestly, yeah. it may be more quote unquote truthful, right, or factual. It's more, you know, uh, it, it it's more f- factual, uh, ac- factually accurate about mm-hmm. Lagosi than it is about Ed Wood. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I think that it's truthful about both people. And even more so, again, I agree. This, this is not. I wouldn't categorize this as any kind of biography. It's what it's truthful about is are all the things that we've just been discussing about yeah. what yeah. it means to be passionate about something and to put yourself into that. What it means to to be an outsider and to to build your own chosen family around something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what it is to kind of and I think you know uh, all of us. I, I'm guessing. I'm going to guess because it's at least everybody I've ever spoken to feels like an outsider a lot of the times in their lives um because we all kind of are encapsulated in this you know meat bag that we walk around in and our consciousnesses are always you know tied to that and it's like we don't know what the hell else is going on in anybody else's mind and we kind of live in our own world and we're always wondering you know like what are other people Mm -hmm. thinking you know i mean i at least most people i've talked to it's like they we all feel like outsiders to some extent and yeah, I actually, I kind of want to read a quote from Tim Burton, too, about yeah. exactly what we're talking about, which he said when when he was asked about the accuracy, um, it's not like a completely hardcore realistic biopic. It's in doing a biopic, you can't help but get inside the person's spirit a little bit. So yeah. for me, some of the film is trying to be through Ed a little bit. Um, so it's got an overly optimistic quality to it, which is, I think, is very interesting, again, that you're, yeah. that you're looking at uh, a movie that, again, is looking at, like, the spirit of the person more so than just just a slate of facts, um, and like I'm sure that Bella Lugosi didn't actually sleep in coffins and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but um, but it, again, it 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 also I think the the part that really works in this movie is that it it also heightens just the the absurdity of it all. Yeah, 
that I'm sure that, you know, the, the real shoots and stuff weren't quite as eccentric and crazy as, as they were portrayed in the movie, but I'm sure that they were just as absurd. And I'm sure that the people that were working on these movies felt like they were just as in a much of an absurd situation as, as they really were. Um, so yeah, and I think that that, that truly is what, what really drives me to like this movie is just, um, again, just this, this, it's so stylized in yeah. such a brilliant way. And I like, I like, I like strong choices like that. And I would take a strong choice like this, uh, in the, in the, for the sake of, or like over the sake of accuracy yeah. than the opposite. Well, let's talk about yeah. that a little more then. Let's talk yeah. about that. Cause clearly, you know, Tim Burton, uh, he had, I mean, clearly had proven from the very get go with Pee Wee, um, and even through a major blockbuster film, like the, I think, did he do, was it his two Batman films he did? Batman and Batman Returns? Yeah, Batman so and I Batman Returns. That. And then Schumacher took over. Yeah. Uh, whoa. And then you want to talk about some strong choices. <laughs> um, but Bat you know, nipples. even, even with major studio blockbuster films, you know, Tim Burton, definitely, you can say a lot of things about him, but he certainly makes strong choices. Absolutely, and, yeah. and he, you, you know, when you're, watching a tim burton film mm -hmm. um so let's talk about that in this because i think this film is is a little bit unique uh in the films that he's made uh yeah. in some ways um you had talked about how um when we were kind of warming up for this that you felt like his direction was maybe um well how about you you know why don't you just i won't put words yeah in yeah mouth. sure no i so i think that his direction here it, it's what's interesting about this movie is that as eccentric and heightened it is as it is i think yeah. what they've done which is really brilliant is um toned down the tim burtonness of it yeah where the which there's and still what do you mean by that what do you think so like, so i mean i think the immediate thing that people go to when they think of tim burton is again like these these very german expressionistic like spirals really eccentric set design mm -hmm. and art direction that's very dreamlike yeah. and um again very very german expressionistic there's almost no german expressionism in this film um it's expressionistic in the way that that burton obviously is a very kinetic director and uses a lot of energy behind the camera and stuff like that but again it's it's a really toned down version of burton there's no crazy set design there's no and i think that what makes that so is that and, and i think you put this really well in our kind of preliminary discussion which is that it's 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 like burton directing through the lens of ed wood mm -hmm. and through the lens of the 1950s yeah that's um, what i yeah and, and so it's 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 just it's less there's less overt Burtonisms. In yeah it. yeah um, yeah you know there's not there's no really wacky costumes or you know that there still are i mean you can definitely also see though at the same time where Burton's passion for these types of movies came from. Because Burton obviously is super inspired by like these 50s B movies. Well, um, you know, just look at any of his work. He, he constantly absolutely. comes back to Vampira. And, Mars Attacks uh, you know, Mars, and all that. Exactly. And I even, you know, in the in the commentary track for this, uh, you know, he talked, or the, the writers actually talked about how it was very, when they were uh, in the preliminary kind of negotiations of Tim Burton possibly directing this film, you know, they talked uh, very um, extensively about how there were a lot of parallels. And, you know, it's um, Burton was a big fan of Vincent Price's, for example, and he mm -hmm. loved those films and, and genre films, horror films when he was growing up as a child. And so when he sought out and was able to then work with Vincent Price and Edward Scissorhands, that was a huge personal thing for Tim Burton. And so, of mm -hmm. course, this very much mirrors the story here that you have with Ed Wood, you know, that he was a huge fan of Lagos's and uh, being able to work with him was a highlight of uh, of Ed Wood's career. So, um, you know, I, I, clearly he's very personally motivated. And I think this is a very personal film, probably more so than Batman or Batman Returns or, you mm -hmm. know, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it might even be, yeah, it might per perhaps be his most personal of anything. It's possible, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think that that's, uh, it's it's just a really well, like it's it's got, it's one of those movies that, that just clearly has like a vision from the beginning to end um, mm -hmm. of the process, not even just for, of the runtime, but like of like, you know, pre-production, production. There was very clearly, 
you know, everyone was on the same page from the cinematography to the, and even just the fact that it's shot in black and white, yep. um, which of course is always a pain to, to get a studio to agree to. And, and some studios were saying that they wanted first look rights if, or like, you know, cutting rights of final cut and things like that. And a lot of times what studios will do when somebody wants to shoot black and white is say, okay, shoot it in color and then we can put it in black and white. But but I think, if, you know, it takes it takes a, a, a really staunch director to say no because... Well, and- and one you know, who's made hundreds of billions of dollars, yes, which is yes. where Tim Burton was sitting at this point in time. Yeah. So and, and, and it, <laughs> that and, helps. And, and, you know, this movie, I can't imagine this movie in color. Um, well, no, you can't. That, I think it would. I think that the the black and white both brings you into the era, but also gives you this sort of subconscious, you know, freeing of the mind in a way that you just buy into all this, this these crazy antics that these people are going through. Yeah, it, it helps. Like. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it, a time capsule. It feels like a time capsule. It helps so much putting you in the set and setting of this story. It, it helps mm-hmm. put you right back into the mid-50s. It helps you, you know, and because these were real people um, and our kind of conscious, our recollections of these people are in black and white. Like Bella Lugosa, you don't see yeah, them in I color. Don't know what, you know, you I have don't no know idea what, what color his like eyes now. are, for example. <laughs> so... Um, you know, I think it was a, it was absolutely the right choice. The film would be an entirely different film, I think, that if it were shot in color. So, you know, kudos to Tim for that, for sure. Yeah. Um, And I I think too, it's, it's, um, I know Spielberg talked about when he was doing Schindler's List in black and white, which was also shot on the same film stock. Yeah. And and somebody, which is a beautiful film stock. Um, somebody asked why. Um, and he said, because when you think of the Holocaust, when you think of World War II, um, you know, everything you see from that era is, is in black and white. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how you imagine it. That's, and it's, and I think that it's similar here. Um, yeah. of course they're again, very different movies. Um, but for perhaps couldn't be more different from each other, but, um, right. but I, I think that that, that logic holds, um, in that you think of, you think of, especially someone like Bela Lugosi and it would be weird to see dracula in color and, and you even mentioned that there was a story about when they were doing screen tests with bella uh with with uh john landau yeah or martin landau not john landau correct i'm thinking of john landis um <laughs> when they were doing uh uh screen tests with martin landau and that it was in color and they were like oh something's off and then they just switched the color off the monitor, the monitor to black and, and white and it was like there oh, was dracula you know there, yeah exactly. so i think that that i think that yeah i think that if this movie was in color it would have a totally different feel i don't think it would work nearly as well and i think that that's also a really really key um you know a lot of people that i've spoken to write off you know modern films and i would consider this a modern film in terms of the scope of you know this is 30 years after the advent or more of after the advent of color or not advent, but the normalization of color yes. film. Um, so it's not, you know, they, they definitely were not shooting on black and white out of necessity. Um, <laughs> no. And, but, and I know that there's a lot of people that kind of scoff at that and that, that kind of go like, Oh, it's just, it's, they're trying to be like artsy or whatever. And they'll, they'll kind of write off a movie that's in black and white these days because. Well, that's what studios are know, definitely afraid of. Yeah. That people yeah. will write off black and white films and not see and, them. And, Absolutely. But I think that it's, it's, um, it's, it, it, this is a masterclass of an example as to why color matters, like why those choices matter. I mean, it's um, less, it's a, it's a lot less of a gimmick than some director who I won't name here wanting to do their film in four, three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> four, three or 48 frames per second. Uh. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I think, and it's also, also interesting too, that like, there was a point when I, the, the movie that I was making, because I was, I was going for a very Hitchcock style, mm-hmm. um, that I was considering shooting it in black and white. Um, and I, I didn't, but I, I watched the movie in black and white. I've, I've like turned off the color and I've, I think that it would be an, it's an, it's definitely an interesting thing. And I think it's, it's what is fun to watch them back to back like that is to, again, understand how much color can impact the feel, mm. the mood of a movie, um, uh, much more so than people think. Um, and like all of these choices are, are important down to like the feeling of, Again, even aspect ratio. A yeah. movie that's one eight five feels very different than a movie that's in two thirty nine. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, the amount of times that I've gone into a movie, and not to get lost on this tangent, but the amount of times that I've gone into a movie and it's been in widescreen because people think it's been two three nine widescreen because people think that that makes something look more like air quotes cinematic. You're right. Um, and I'm sitting there going like the subject matter of this movie would fit one eight five way more. 
And it's kind of funny that, and again, it, it works it works with color as well. And so I think that I'm so glad that they were able to get this movie shot in black and white. I think that um, it well, adds and it's, and it's so not much. Just, yeah, and it's not just black and white, but it's high contrast. Yeah, it's, it's very shot much, like it's you know, in the 50s. Yeah, Because even though it's black and white, it could have been shot in a lot of different ways. It could have been lit in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And yeah. they really chose, you know, again, I, you know, it's... I think it's it's just I think it's it's fun in a meta sense and I think this is what we've talked around a lot but not directly to so far is that you know what makes this film unique is that we are filming so the subject was a filmmaker mm-hmm. and so so the so Burton is is shooting this film about a filmmaker in the ways that the the subject would have shot his films so mm-hmm. trying to capture that spirit so and we talked earlier about limited camera movement and kind of you know um restricting the camera to ways that they would have likely moved it back then in the 50s mm-hmm. the you know choosing the film stock and the you know high contrast lighting which is another way that you know that's how ed wood would have likely shot or this genre of films would have been shot in general in that way back then in the 50s so it's yeah you know it's kind of it's it's a really beautiful way of bringing us into the world of the subject of this film without having to tell us anything by literally in the choices of the medium you know in the film stock in the lighting in the camera um so at the most fundamental levels bringing us into that world and most people don't know consciously any of this stuff yeah. you know they you know yeah. most people aren't film nuts like us and you know they're, they're not going to know any of this stuff but they've sense it but at, but as and a yeah whole, it's subconscious so often it brings you like right a, into that yeah. world and so i just and think that's beautiful not only is it is it is it lit like a 50s movie but it's it's again like you said it's lit like an ed wood movie and one of the things that I noticed is that a lot of the outs- outdoor scenes during the day, the day exteriors, that it's almost like slightly overexposed and it looks mm. like they don't really have, you know, these, this day and age when when a large budget movie is shooting outside, and this is the way it's been for, for 50 years, um, is that they, you know, you put up a flag above someone so the sun is not directly, you know, brightly, brightly exposing one side of their face and the other side's in shadow, especially on film. Mm-hmm. Um but I noticed one of the things that I kind of noticed for the first time when I watched it this time was that a lot of the outdoor scenes clearly don't use that. They're just using kind of the natural light. Maybe they'll have a bounce or something below to, you know, illuminate the other side of the face right. a little bit. But but it's shot, you know, I it's not a bare bones movie. They had quite a large budget, respectively. Um, but it is um, it is shot to imitate something that was so. shot on a bare bones budget i think so. Um, yeah. you know a lot of the lighting setups are very simple but it's still really really masterfully shot and it's a beautiful film yeah but it's and it does it so well it, it it ever you know the last thing i'll say about the the look and the cinematography is that it's got one of the best jokes in the movie is when they hold uh-huh, up the red yeah. dress versus the pink dress or something and they're like which <laughs> yeah. one looks better and of yeah, course the yeah. movie's in black and white and then the director of photography in the movie says i don't know i'm colorblind i don't know i'm colorblind uh, go for the dark uh, go gray for one. the dark gray one yeah it, <laughs> and th- it's that was great cute I, I, joke, yeah. I had completely forgotten that from the first my first viewings way back when when it came yeah. out and and I, I i did think that was cute and that's like a fine line because that could be a joke like that could be too cute for your own good like that mm-hmm. you know you got to be careful that's almost too cute but it was fun it, was, it, it works yeah yeah it was um, fun i mean uh, let's like slide into a little bit performances because I think yes, you know, yeah. um, you know, I think we're talking about direction. We're talking about a lot of the the visual visual aspects of the film, but clearly, you know, uh, obviously Burton did a great job. I think this is one of the most key successes. You know, things that makes the film a success is that. I mean, you've got a lot of characters here that are are pretty eccentric. They're pretty mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. there. And I think it'd be really easy to misfire on tone for performance. Um, Very, very easy. I mean, up to and including, you know, the lead here, Johnny Depp's performance on Johnny is a very talented actor, but this is a really fine line Mm -hmm. um, where these people, they kind of were caricatures, you know, I, I mean, you buy it in a sense. It's like these characters are kind of taken to a level of caricature, but they're still genuine it's still the core of them is very believable even if their behaviors seem very stylized and heightened we buy it and i mean i think burton does a really wonderful job of tying a lot of different types of actors 
and performances in tone together for this film. That really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 Depp is so like charismatic and well, yeah, again genuine and like he just has the, he he captures this character of, of this this constant optimist of even when Bella Lugosi fle- flips out at the the, the guy uh, for asking yeah. for or calling him. Uh, um Karlov's sidekick yeah and yeah. then and then you know there's just that great moment where where uh Depp comes over Ed Wood comes over and he's like uh he's like Bella I totally agree you know it's an, <laughs> and it's like this 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 great and it's, he's got it's such also, a great you know vocalization of even the character is so fantastic and, but it's almost even like this like you know uh these like 50s films of like hey see and then it was walking yeah, like the just transatlantic and he's almost like he's, almost. he's yeah, yeah he's kind of like talking in a way that we imagine uh, and remember, a lot of films had characters speaking yeah. that way in that era, where mm-hmm. it's this very heightened, stylized, quick kind way of, of like speaking. Jimmy Stewartist almost. Like it's it's and, like that where that Jimmy Stewart kind of has this energy about him all the time. It's this this really positive and like you know. Yeah. And so it, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and I uh, but but that could go horribly wrong, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. If you, um, if, yeah. If you do it one thing slightly different. It, it could be taken completely a different way and, and not work at all. I mean, I think of like His Girl Friday as kind of like such the typical, you know, kind of like film where people are speaking this way. Now, that's a much earlier film in the 40s, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just a lot of, you know, so and it's, but we buy well, that. was Cary Grant. Cary Grant was the most transatlantic, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm here today to yeah, tell yeah, you about this. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. We had this kind of manufactured fake accent that actors used to use. Yeah. And, um, but, but we, but you buy it, I think, because the heart, mm-hmm. the heart of it, as we keep going back to, is very genuine. But I mean, and, you know, we talk about Johnny Depp and his performance is very fun and we buy it. But, but Landau's performance, and of course, he won oh, an Academy fantastic. Award, yeah. is, is, I think, exceptional in, in kind of another, you know, in more dimensions, maybe even mm-hmm. than Johnny Depp's is, which is that we, his character's kind of trajectory, we have a lot more space there to kind of, you know, see some of his challenges as a character. And uh, and he does a really fantastic job of that. But I did want to mm-hmm. say real quick, before going off Johnny Depp, you know, in the commentary he talks about, and gosh darn it, I can't remember exactly, but it's it sounds like Johnny likes to do this because I remember listening about him talk to his, uh, the creation of his character for uh, the Pirates movies, for example. And mm-hmm. I remember he said like, well, you know, I took Keith Richards and I took, you know, a couple other things and I mixed it together and I got jack sparrow he did the same thing here and it wasn't that he went back and looked at ed wood and said okay i'm going to try to copy what i see in ed wood's work mm-hmm. he took he and i can't remember all of them but he took ronald reagan <laughs> interesting as a, as one of like three pieces for for the work that he did to put together this character yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and gosh darn it, I wish I could remember the rest. And we'll have to go back and listen to the commentary track on that. So anybody out there, you can find that. But but I thought that was hysterical that it was, you know, uh, and, and I think really vital that instead mm-hmm. of doing, and we've talked about this, instead of trying to go back and let's say I'm going to nail the way that Edward really spoke in real and life. And his mannerisms and yeah. And I've got it was like, no, I wanna I'm gonna like reach for his essence and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know and kind of go this sideways direction that that's not so obvious. Like you wouldn't think Ronald Reagan, but it worked for him and it kind of helped him get into the deeper actual honest spirit of that character as opposed to trying to mirror the externalized you know kind of what he looked and sounded like mm-hmm. uh which is always a trap when films try to do that yes, um, yeah. but yeah just to go back to landau though i mean clearly an amazing performance his daughter is in this film too by the mm-hmm. way um and ron howard's father is in this film which is mm-hmm. interesting there's like some kind of examples of hollywood nepotism going on yeah. here a little bit <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> what there's nepotism in hollywood no way nah, are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> no there's nepotism everywhere let's face yeah. it so but what about you i mean obviously those are standout performances what are your thoughts i on? think sarah i mean sarah jessica parker is also i think fantastic like she, she, she i think really has this again sort of similar to johnny depp where she like brings in this transatlantic accent a little bit where she you know but it's like this this very uh, i don't even know which actor to kind of comment on and, and but it's it's 
it's like she'll you know when she's like do i really look like a horse like it, it's like this like kind of thing and it's like well that and she's you know she's got this great you know it kind of feels like leave it to beaver like it's yeah. like and there's fantastic. an energy yeah there's like a... yeah everyone is like yeah. it reminds me of 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 seeing like almost like really good theater in a way yep yeah where where you know actors often in theater are allowed to make like kind of bolder bigger choices because yeah. there's sort of more of a suspension of disbelief in theater than there is in film and i think that this but i think this movie almost goes in that direction even though it's all about uh film although he does start out directing theater um i think that it's it's just yeah like every every i think and it's rare to see this in a movie every single uh, character no matter if they have three lines or you know they're main, the main character had mm -hmm. clearly the actors put so much thought into the characterization the two guys that uh, are the police officers i can't remember oh, them, yeah. but they were in a bunch of edwards movies yeah in those real two life, guys yeah. are are hilarious uh in this movie and they yes. have like five lines but like every time they're on screen and he's like well, I heard this one was going to be his, uh, his biggest picture yet. You know, it's like this, this, like everyone is just doing. And I think that there's no better feeling when you're doing a movie that, that is kind of like in this kind of subject area or genre area. Um, when you get actors who are willing to do that, who are willing to just, you know, like, again, throw out the sake of authenticity for something that is really energetic and and truer in sort of more of an emotional sense than yeah, a, than in a spirit. Like, actual one. Yeah, I mean, and the film's loaded with great, you know, I mean, Bill Murray is hysterical. I think you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, Bill Murray's um, fantastic. I always forget Bill Murray is in this movie as I, well because it's I, such a movie that you wouldn't really think of him being in well, and he's and not I like the lead. Yeah, and I kind of vaguely, I, gosh, I don't want to get this wrong, but this is just kind of like my own recollection was that, you know, when this film came out, but um, he'd just done Groundhog Day. He had just done Groundhog Day. So he had, you know, I, this was part of a bit of a resurgence for him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Groundhog Day was obviously like an extraordinary um, uh, film. Or not yes, resurgence, but I guess elevation. Because it's not like he well, had he'd fallen done, off he'd done the radar. Because he did Scrooge yeah, and Ghostbusters 89 or 89. But, th but I think this really, like, took him to another level as far as where people were like, wow, you know. You can almost also sort of see his, his the characterizations that he, like, the, the style of, of performance that he almost gives in, like, a Wes Anderson movie here. Mm. Um, where he yeah. gets less of the kind of fraternity, screwball, comedy yeah. type thing into more of a, like, a subtle theatrical comedy kind of style and and yeah. and because even if you watch groundhog day he's still sort of in that um like ghostbusters again kind of like kind of manic snl fraternity sarcastic yeah. kind of but then this one he's not there's certainly the air of bill murray sarcasm i don't think you could strip that away from it all yeah i don't think so him. yeah um, but um but there but it's it's just it's it's subtle and he's he's playing this role that is so unusual for him. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's so, you know, my first choice for this role well, probably wouldn't have been Bill. I wouldn't have even thought of Bill Murray. And yet I think that the way that they casted him, and I don't know exactly how he was cast. If right, I don't him, Or if he was interested in doing it. Um, but, um, and it, he just works so well. Um, it's one of those like really unexpected things, kind of like, you know, Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love, um, where, you know, you don't expect Adam Sandler as a, you know, I actually think that Adam Sandler has has some pretty good acting chops. Yeah. Um, but um, very you know, narrow, people, very yeah. I think. But yeah, that's a topic um, but, for another day. <laughs> but but you know, you you don't expect someone like that to pull off a role like Uncut Gems or like uh, Punch Drunk Love. Um, and then when they, but sometimes they they're almost like the best actors for them. Or even you know, Jack Black has done some some more dramatic roles yeah. that aren't as comedic, and he's done really well in them. Um, you know, say what you want about the 2005 King Kong movie, but he, I think he plays the role of Carl Denham in that super well. And so it's sort of a I've similar thing I've never seen this. it. Now, it's actually, I, you know, that movie gets some <laughs> flack, but I, I actually think it's very long, but it, I think it's yeah. a pretty fine movie. I'll it's very, to, it really is a check really it out good someday. homage to the, to the original. I'll have to um, check it out someday. But I mean, and then you've, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, so we've talked, you know, Johnny Depp, Martin Landau, Sarah Jessica Parker. I mean, we didn't mention, but Patricia Arquette is in this. And of course- yeah. I think she was just coming off 93's True Romance, Tony Scott's mm -hmm. film that I, I love, quite frankly, and we might do that someday here. I do love uh, Tony Scott. 
because yeah. uh, I think True Romance is a fantastic film, but she had just mm-hmm. come off that. I think she's almost, you know, in, in a way, kind of the most normal. Yeah, she does less, and I think it's probably intentional. But um, but 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 it's like I, I think it's kind of a sweet way to show uh, that, like you that, uh, and maybe this is just me reading into it, but that you know, uh, as eccentric as you might be. You, you can connect to the quote-unquote square world mm-hmm, and you can mm-hmm. find love and acceptance uh, in this world and that even when you see people outside of you and they look well put together and they look like they're quote-unquote normal, uh, they aren't usually, uh, almost certainly, that we're all kind of these eccentric outsiders. And so for me, it kind of, you know felt a little bit like that, that it was an opportunity to kind of subtly uh, go in that direction. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you yeah. can connect to to quote-unquote normal people, and we're all yeah. kind of in one big pot. So uh, Jeffrey Jones, uh, somebody else who probably would stand out to anybody who's a fan of, like, 80s cinema, Jeffrey Jones is in it. Um, just like I said, I mentioned Juliet Landau's and of course, Juliet went on to do a really wonderful job on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television show. Mm-hmm. And God, if I'm not, I don't want to get this wrong for anybody who's a fan, but I think it's Drusilla was her character's name. And she was, I'm actually, not sure. I've never seen Buffy. So she was outstanding. She yeah. was really, she was really, really strong in that show. I think she had a, she had a recurring role for a very long time, probably mm-hmm. like the entirety of the, uh, she, I think she was on it almost from beginning to end. Uh, and then we've got, um, Vincent, uh, Donofrio, uh, yeah. as Orson Welles. Yeah. Uh, just fun stuff. So a lot of really, which fun again, I always forget that he's in this movie as well. Um, yeah. I, I almost don't reckon just the way he's lit. Vincent D'Onofrio is a funny actor because I almost, he forget that he's in, like I always forget that Vincent D'Onofrio is in, uh, a full metal jacket. And well, I no, see, that's that the one thing yeah. I always think of from him. It's hard yeah. for me to even remember other things. That is the big stand private, but pile. he's been in a lot. Like if you look up Vincent, D'Onofrio, oh, God, he's, he's, he's a, I actually really like, I think that he's a really very talented. Um, yeah. He's, he's extremely, he's a really, really great guy. I've heard that he's like very kind and, and, I mean, he's been in a million films um, mm-hmm. and a lot of really great films. And, uh, and and gosh, boy, I'm just looking here at his filmography. I mean, more than I could remember. I could have believed. I, he, wow. Yeah. So he's been in a ton of things. Here's another one that might be fun to do someday, The Cell. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, a lot of great films. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's stuffed with good performances. I think really strong casting choices by Burton. I, nobody mm-hmm. here in the film strikes me as, as kind of out of place or, you know, not well suited for their role. Uh, just again, I think um, just more evidence that uh, that Burton is just on top of his game with this film. Yeah. And I think the last thing just to mention quickly, yeah. too, is is uh, Howard Shore's score. Oh, let's not forget Mr. Shore. Um, yeah. And Howard Shore is one of my favorite composers. I, and I the love theremin. Um, yeah. And the theremin. And he goes like, just like every other aspect of this movie, Howard Shore <laughs> goes all in on the like 50s, um, you know. Yep. B movie kind of sound, but also again in the more like touching moments, um, he goes really soft and and subtle and, and gets really nice. And I like how he invokes Swan Lake because of course that was the opening music to Dracula. Um, ah, so he invokes yeah. Swan Lake whenever yep. whenever uh, uh, Bella Lugosi has like a struggling moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's interesting that he didn't. So they they actually uh, went with Howard Shore versus um, Danny Elfman, who was Burton's usual composer okay so um, danny elfman had worked with burton before right pretty much every single one of oh, burton's major and, movies and after too right did yeah, he go yeah, back yeah but they okay. had so apparently on batman returns which was 92 they um, have a fight the 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 pressure to get it done made them gave them some strain in their relationship and then De- elfman also did uh nightmare before christmas and they had some creative differences on that Mm. so i think he just decided to go with shore perhaps take a little vacation give each other a little break and then but pretty soon after they went back to working together interesting um, because because i think elfman still to this day scores most of his movies yeah um but yeah and i like danny elfman a lot but i'd say that that howard's shore was was a perfect choice for this like he really i i remember i did a, a fake magic show at a 
camp <laughs> wait, that wait, I wait. At what's once. a fake magic show? So it was like a magic show that was intentionally bad. Okay, like, you okay. Know, like gotcha. I would give someone a card, and then <laughs> I'm I would like, I'm make, like, I would magic is already fake. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be like, is this your card? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, yeah, that's right. I was kind of playing a, a, a fake like David Blaine kind of like where oh all of my, my oh. tricks went bad. But I had the entire time my playlist for the music was was the Howard Shore theme of this. So it's like okay. So I was like kind of walking across the stage and you know doing my thing with that i had a awesome. partner I, is, that, is there any video to, of this i don't know there might actually be some uh, somewhere. but then i and then the video. second song was uh abracadabra by the steve miller man oh my so, god oh so yeah oh, that's my on. that's my howard shore connection to the edwood uh, i love it i love it well it, wonderful stuff i mean yeah. i think uh, uh you know i've enjoyed revisiting this film it uh, mm-hmm. definitely like filled my heart with love for for my fellow filmmakers out there, regardless of success, external success or talent, it's a good reminder that, uh, at least from my perspective, that you know we're in this for the families that we create while we do it, and we're in it for the journey. And um, you know, it's it, otherwise it's a it's a profoundly small percentage of us that mm-hmm. get to work at the level that we aspire to. Let's face it. Uh, yeah. Most filmmakers aspire to work at a level that only a few hundred filmmakers actually ever get to work at. I mean, so, hey, even if I got to the Ed Wood level and I was remembered in, in 50 <laughs> years, I'd be happy. So, Well, there you go. I mean, and, and enjoy the ride while you're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks for picking the film. And uh, yeah. as always, I really enjoyed our conversation, Colin. I look forward to next time. I've got to start thinking about what my film will be for our Big five zero. Yes, the fiftieth. Yeah. Dun dun dun. So, all, all right. right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We hope that you enjoyed it, uh, and we will catch you on the flip side. Until then, bye bye.